Hello and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today I'm speaking with Tui T. Sutherland, the author of the best-selling Wings of Fire fantasy series about young dragonettes who are prophesized to bring seven dragon tribes together and prevent a war. Sutherland is also the writer behind the Menagerie and Avatars series, as well as numerous other books for children. The Wings of Fire series is getting a new lease on life with the release of a graphic adaptation of the first book, The Dragonette Prophecy, which is adapted by Barry Deutsch and illustrated by Mike Holmes. It's being published this month by Graphics, an imprint of Scholastic, which is sponsoring this podcast. Thanks for speaking with me, Tui. Yeah, thank you, John. I'm really excited to be here. So the Wings of Fire series is over five years old now. Did you ever expect that it would kind of grow and enjoy the success uh, in the way that it has? Uh, no, I mean, I'm really excited that it has. Um, I started it, well, I, I turned in the outline for the first sort of five books um, a couple of weeks before my son was born. Um, and now he's seven, he's almost eight. So um, yeah, it does feel like, wow, that's like a lot of my life I've been working on this series. But I feel so lucky that it, that I got to do sort of five more after that first five. And now I'm doing another five after that. So it's just kind of like, I'm glad I invented a world that has enough room for me to keep playing in it that much, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, given your son's age now, is he? have you shared this world and these books with him at this point? Well, it's funny because, you know, I'm totally one of those people who, if I gave him my book to read, I'd be following him around the house going, where are you at? Where are you at? Why aren't you laughing? <laughs> so I, I think I, I, I sort of held off on on pushing my books on him. Um, but he's super into graphic novels. He loves basically everything that graphics publishes. Um, and he's read all the Raina Telgemeier books a million times over. So he's probably going to start with the graphic novel, is my guess. And then I'm going to try and start sliding the other ones over to him. And so how and when did the decision come about to turn these books into graphic novels? Um, I think we started talking about it a while ago, but it was really um, my editor at Scholastic, Amanda, who who said, I think that this would work as a graphic novel. It'll be a lot of a lot of work for somebody. And it ended up, poor Mike had to draw so many dragons and there's scenes <laughs> in the adaptation. Barry made little notes like, oh, Mike, this is a scene in an arena where there are like, uh, like over a hundred dragons in the background. So good luck with all those scales. <laughs> and he did such a great job <laughs> bringing all of that to life. And yeah, I mean, it was just, it was exciting to start seeing it, you know, first of all, with the sketches and all the like the drawings of the different characters. Um, and then as the color got added by Marta, who is amazing. It just became more and more real. And it's just, it's so beautiful to hold it in my hands now. I'm really very excited about how it turned out. I know you're no stranger to sort of collaborative publishing, but was it uh, interesting to see like just how many people were involved in taking you know the novel and then bringing it into this new format? Yes, definitely. I mean, I was very grateful for Barry um, because I, you know, I was at first I was like, oh, I'll try and adapt it into a graphic novel for him. And then I was like, no, I can't. I love all my words. So poor Barry had to be the one to go through my whole very wordy novel and cut out all the like interior monologue and replace it with like Clay looks puzzled, you know, <laughs> in this scene. Um, mm-hmm. And so first him. Yeah. And then um, Mike with all the sketches. Yeah. The the, the addition of the, the colorist and like the people who have to fit all of my words into the little tiny speech bubbles. It was uh, it was interesting to see how many how many steps there were. It's definitely a much longer process than just me writing words and sending them to Amanda. And in what ways did you yourself get involved? I mean, were you giving input throughout? Did you try to kind of be hands off and let them do their thing as far as Barry and uh, Mike both? Um, well, I got to kind of, I mean, they were very, they were really great about um, including me at every step. So 
um, Amanda sent me the adaptation that Barry did. And then I went through and like revised it a little bit. I added, I added a lot of my words back in. <laughs> um, and then I, you know, and I, I, I moved some things around, but for the most part, I kept it very much the way he'd done it. He was really faithful to the book. Um, and I loved all of his sort of different choices that he made. So that was at that stage. And then I got to comment on all the sketches, which was mostly just, this isn't quite how I imagined it, or actually they're supposed to be in this other cave in this scene. And so they would fix it according to that. And then they sent it to me, the finished art with all of the words in and spilling over the edges of the bubbles. So I had to go back and cut out all the extra words I'd added back in. <laughs> and then at the final scene, they sent me all the colors so I could be like, actually in the scene, for instance, there's uh, Glory. That was the thing I probably had to comment on the most in the terms of the colors, because Glory is a dragon who can change the colors of her scales, like a chameleon. And so throughout the book, they actually reflect her emotions. So I'd have to say, like, actually, Glory's kind of mad in this scene. Could there be more, like, yellow around her ears and more red in her other scales and things like that um, all the way through? But yeah, no, they were really great about letting me be have lots of input. But at the same time, I did try to step back a little and be like, you know, it's a different format. And I, I trust, I very much trust everyone who was involved with it to like make it as, you know, as good a graphic novel as it could possibly be. And, you know, given that the, the series is 10 books deep at this point, was it strange to return to kind of where it all started and this focal character of Clay? Or do you, do you feel like these characters and storylines are so kind of part of your DNA at this point that it, it didn't really make a difference? Uh, that's a great question. Um, kind of both. I mean, it was definitely, it's always weird to go back and read a book you wrote like five or six years ago and feel like, ooh, I wish I could change some things now. <laughs> but in terms of the characters, they haven't changed. Like to me, like Clay is exactly the way I've always wanted him to be. And he continues to appear all the way through the 10 books. And I mean, they all do. So even though each book in the series is centered on a different dragon, you still get to see all the other dragons kind of around them and in the background. So um, so I did feel like the world was still very much how I remembered it and, and, and how I've been living in it the last several years. And there are a few things about the first book that are different from the rest of the series. Because in the first book, I was making them much more dragony, and like a lot of the ways they react to things is with violence. And then as the series goes on, I actually think they become a little more human, um, and there's a little less violence later on. I mean, there's still a fair amount of dragon fighting, but I think that their interactions and their their family lives become a little more human um, in the later books. And you, you mentioned uh, that your son has become a big fan of uh, comics and graphic novels. Uh, what about yourself? Are you a longtime uh, reader of them too? Um, I, well, I'm a huge fan. I don't know that I would say long time. I think I missed out on a lot of them when I was a kid, but certainly in the last 10 years, as it's, I think experiencing this wonderful, um, I don't know if renaissance is the right word for it, but there's so many amazing graphic novels out there right now that um, it's been really wonderful. He de He definitely is sort of following me around and picking up my graphic novels that I'm reading. So I have to hide some of them. Like Paper Girls is probably not appropriate for him. <laughs> but we read Amulet together. I love all Arena Telgemeier books too. El Defo is one that we both loved. Yeah, we're pretty big fans of, of all of them. And um, were there any particular aspects of this story that you were nervous about, you know, how, how it might translate to a graphic format or maybe any moments that when you did see the, the, the artwork come together that you were like, oh, this is exactly what I was hoping for? Sure. Um, well, certainly I was a little nervous about, um, you know, there's a section of book one that takes place in an arena where the, the it's like a gladiator fight where the dragons are, are battling each other. And I would I would get the sketches and write little notes in the margins like, oh, my goodness, who wrote this? Too much decapitation. <laughs> 
Um, but uh, I think actually they managed to sort of most of that. It's still a good balance of um, of action and like not too much goriness. Uh, one thing we did change. Um, a very small thing from the novel to the graphic novel is that in the novel, the first time you see a human in this world, um, the human is running away from a dragon and runs into our heroes. And our heroes have this little conversation where they're like, oh, it's a human. We've been reading it. They call them scavengers because the humans are always trying to steal the dragon's treasure. And the dragons have this conversation, uh, our heroes, when they first see it. And they're like, wow, I think that's an actual real life scavenger. Like, can we eat it? And then the other one's like, no, I think they're endangered and we're not supposed to. <laughs> um, and then the other dragon, the bad dragon, shows up and bites the human's head off. And that's sort of the first time you see a human in this world. But in the graphic novel, we decided that was a little much. So in the graphic novel, the human just runs away. <laughs> and I think that was a wise choice. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, back on the, the fiction side of things, the main Wings of Fire series is still going, right? Is there, are there more books uh, planned beyond the initial 10? Yeah, definitely. Um, which I'm really excited about. Actually, it's hard because that's what I just, I just finished writing book 11. So that's kind of all I want to talk about. And it's um, all these secrets that we haven't, um, that I'm not supposed to reveal. But um, it's basically, so the first 10 books take place on the continent. That's, um, there's a map at the front of the books. And that's where everything that's happened so far has happened in this one continent. But in fact, there's another continent on this planet that has different tribes of dragons. And so that's what books 11 through 15 are going to be about, is about um, going to the other continent, discovering what those other tribes are like. So each each tribe is based on a different sort of uh, foundation. So for instance, in the world we know, there are um, sort of sand wings, which live in the desert. There are sea wings that live underwater. There are ice wings that come from the Arctic, and they all have sort of different powers related to where they live. So on the other continent, it's a slightly different world, and the tribes are based on different things. Um, and that's what I really want to talk about, and I'm not allowed to. <laughs> but I'm hoping over the next few months, we'll start being able to reveal things like little hints about each tribe and the characters you'll meet over there. Um, and book 11 takes place entirely on that other continent. But then through books 12 through 15, we're going to start bringing the two continents together. So you'll get to see all the characters come back again from the first 10 books and meet the new characters. And we're also working on a, a graphic novel of book two. So that's that's going to be coming eventually too. Okay. And is the idea that hopefully or ideally that all of, all of the, the novels will eventually uh, cross over into the graphic format? I think so. I mean, that would be great. I would certainly love to see that. Um, <laughs> I think it, you know, it depends on if, if people want them and how how they go. But um, I mean, it was just so wonderful to see the first book turned into a graphic novel that I think I, I would just I would love to see it continue. Um, I think especially book three is when the dragons get to the rainforest and they spend more time with the Rainwing tribe, which are the ones like Glory who can change their scales. And so that's going to be a fun challenge for Marta <laughs> if she continues to color the books, which I hope she will, because every scene will be a group of dragons like suddenly changing color uh, um, in all of them. And, you know, given the popularity of the series, I assume you've been getting a lot of letters and art and things like that from, from fans over the years. Um, what do you think they're responding to? And are there particular things you've heard or received that have stuck with you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's probably my favorite thing about writing this series is seeing how invested in the world the kids who, who really love it are. I know a lot of the kids have made up their own original characters, um, dragons who live in this world. And what's interesting to me is how many of them are hybrids. Um, the kids love to take two different tribes and stick them together and come up with a dragon that has some of these powers and some of these powers and what and make them really unique. You know, um, I also get a lot of mail about new tribes, ideas for, for their own tribes, which I kind of have to 
close my ears and be like, la la la, no, I'm trying to make up my own. <laughs> I don't want to steal your ideas. But it's so great to see how creative and original and amazing um, they are and how much they like to imagine themselves in this world. And I think that's actually one of the big appeals of fantasy and especially a big fantasy series is uh, the idea that there's this whole other world and you could be a part of it. And I think that's one of the things I'm kind of going for in this series, the fact that it's a different character as sort of the hero of each book. I'm trying to kind of give them the feeling that like anyone in this world could be a hero. Kind of that's how I feel about our world too. Um, and so I want them to imagine themselves like as a character in this world and to feel free to come in and play in it. Like I, I very much encourage fan fiction and fan art and all of that. The They just have so many wonderful ideas and I want them to feel like they could be a part of this and they're, they're very welcome in this world. So your, your fans and readers are probably also aware that you're one of several authors who collectively write under the Aaron Hunter pseudonym, the, the Warriors books. And is that something that you're still actively uh, doing as well? Oh, I, I haven't had time basically since Wings of Fire started because um, mm. with the, the publishing schedule of Wings of Fire, I have to write two of those books a year and they're not very short. So <laughs> or that's my fault. <laughs> I write them. I like to write long. Um, but so, yeah, so I have unfortunately not been able to be involved um, in sort of the newer series of um, the Aaron Hunter books like the I was I think that the there's a dog series that I was really excited about, um, but I haven't written anything since the Seekers books, which were the Bears ones. Mm. That was that was a while ago. But those, yeah, I felt very lucky to be involved in those. I actually started as the editor of the Warriors books way back when um, they were first coming out, um, when I was still an editor working in publishing in New York. And um, and then when I left publishing to write full time and kind of passed the series along, um, they said, well, you know, you you know this series really really well. Would you like to come on board and be one of the Aaron Hunters. At that point, there were three. There was one woman who would do the um, the outline for each book. She would come up with the storyline. And then two other women who would take turns writing them, Cherith and Kate. And so they were ready to add a third person so that they could start the new series, which was Seekers. So that was right about when I came on board. And I was, yeah, I felt very grateful to be involved with that because it was a really good writing challenge, trying to match my voice to the other, to the sort of overall Aaron Hunter style, which is not that much like my own, I think. So you've also written under several other pseudonyms for your own work, um, which I think you've been open about. Are you still doing that? Or do you feel like you're focusing more on uh, the Tweety Sutherland as a, as a writer uh, versus some of the other uh, names you've used over the years? Sure. Um, nowadays, I pretty much write everything under my own name. The main reasons I was using the pseudonyms um, when I started off as a writer um, were um, I mean, there was a different excuse for each one, basically, but it was um, to fit into the, whichever series I was working on, like Aaron Hunter. Heather Williams was a Little House pseudonym so that it would be shelved next to Laura Ingalls Wilder on the bookshelves. Um, that's one that Harper asked me to do. And then uh, I had another couple of pseudonyms that were so that I could publish more books in a year back when I was writing before I had kids and I was writing more books each year. But now that I have this wings of fire world that I can focus on, I'm happy to be using my own name and, uh, and to be, and to have that much ability to focus on, on something that I love so much. And you had been working uh, as a, an editor back in the day, I think on those, some of those initial warriors books. Do you feel like when you write now, you still feel that sort of editor side of your brain uh, actively <laughs> sort of, you know, contributing or do you try to shut it off and uh, just, just write? <laughs> I'm sure every every author has uh, an internal editor who um, is probably a little too noisy while they're writing. Um, I I do sort of try to shut it off while I'm writing, but I will every every writing day begins with going back and reading what I wrote 
like for the last two days. So um, that's when I, I let the editor come out a little bit and I, I'm, I'm constantly tweaking as I'm writing. I think actually being an editor, I mean, it definitely influenced my writing, but it has also influenced my reading even more. Um, and it, it's better now, but back when I was an editor, especially, I couldn't read a book without being like, oh, I wish I could have edited this. I would have changed this and I would have fixed this over here. <laughs> so it made me kind of an annoying reader for a while. I think I'm a little better than I used to be. But I think it was very helpful for my own writing. It definitely gave me an ability to like, so I finish the book and I put it aside for a week and then I go back and I read it again. And I'm able to give it a little more perspective and try to see it, I hope, from a more editorial perspective. Hmm. And, you know, as you mentioned, you've got the the next graphic novel and, um, of course, 12 through 15 as far as future Wings of Fire books. Are there other projects you're working on, considering other ways you're hoping to expand the Wings of Fire world, anything like that? Or is this enough? Because it sounds like a lot. <laughs> I do have other things I would love to work on. There's a, a chapter book series I'd love to write, and I have a YA novel in my head that um, really wants to get out. But it is tough fitting it in between um, writing a Wings of Fire book every six months. So... It might have to all wait until after book 15. I I wonder if I'm allowed to say there's another Wings of Fire project that I think I can hint at in addition to books 11 through 15 and the graphic novels that is hopefully um, we're going to get to at some point in the next three years. So um, so there's that too. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm a little busy, um, but I but I have a lot of ideas that I would love to get to eventually. Excellent. Well, you know, congratulations again on, on this book, and thanks again for speaking with me. Yeah, thank you so much, John. This was really fun. Once again, I've been speaking with Tui T. Sutherland, whose first book in the Wings of Fire series, The Dragonette Prophecy, is newly available as a graphic novel from Graphics. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast. Cast.